hi guys how are you doing today i hope you're good all right so there is this very fascinating story that i have been following and um it's quite interesting it's a story about um um the early life of david and how he started up and uh, and uh, the trials and the running around that he he found himself in. So I will, I've been reading the book of the first Samuel, and uh, one of the ones that fascinated me is, let's say, not really fascinated me, but more like intrigued me is the story of the cat and rat um, game, let's say game or let's say drama going on between Saul and David. Quick backstory. David was a young lad and somehow found his way up to fame and got his way into the military and got Saul's fever, started killing people from from his fame of David from his fame of, you know, like killing Goliath. And then all of a sudden he rose and rose and rose, became Saul's son-in-law married the daughter of Saul. Everything was kind of going fine until Saul started being envious. Now, Saul wants to kill David. But one of the things that baffled David and did understand is that he doesn't understand why Saul wanted to kill him. He was too young. He was so into his master. He was very into Saul. He loved Saul genuinely with all his heart. After all, he's his king. But that was not the way Saul was looking at him. David saw Saul as someone he genuinely loved and honored as a king. Saul saw David as an enemy, as a rival, as a threat to his throne and swore to kill him. So all this while, David was thinking, oh, it's a joke. Oh, no, I don't think so. It's going to be serious to kill me. Till one day, it got so bad. David was playing the harp before Saul one day. And then Saul threw the javelin at David with the aim to kill him. It was legit real that he wanted to just slit David's throat or pin him to the wall with a javelin. And then he ran for his life. It was getting real. Now, it was still very surreal to David's imagination that, you know, um, I don't think my king is going to kill me. It was still very surreal that that is actually happening. So Saul and Jonathan rapidly grew as friends. So while all this was happening, they decided, okay, let's check if my father is actually very serious. I'm going to go out and hide in the woods for a while and claim that I ran away. I went home for sacrifices in Bethlehem. Tell your dad that my brother called me home and I want to excuse myself. Let's go make some family sacrifices. I'm going to be back some days later. So that was the plan. Jonathan and David made the plan. They wanted to check the reaction of Saul. And when the feast was gathered together and David was nowhere to be found, he went to hide. And then Jonathan said, oh, David traveled 
He actually said the family wanted him around, so he took his cues and he's gonna be back after the feast. Then Saul was enraged and then started cursing his son, you son of a bitch, blah blah blah. You're the kind of person that wants another person to sit on your throne. If David is king, you'll never be established. He was cursing his son, he was so enraged, he was so mad that he missed out David. David has run away from him and his son was actually covering him up. It was that moment that Jonathan and David realized that it was getting real and David was gonna be killed if he doesn't run away. So he came back to David from where they're hiding and they hugged, they kissed, they, you know, like not kissing has been the romantic way, but you know, like a farewell greeting cried on each other's shoulders and that was how David's running began and now I'm getting to the interesting part where it's, it's quite baffling because this is more like a lesson on trust a lesson on human behavior as I'm reading this particular story a lot of things that I, I couldn't just quite put my hands on or put together was just going through my mind. So here was David actually following Saul with a pure heart, with a childish heart. Of course, David rose to fame at a very early stage and was following Saul and was, you know, like honoring him as a king, honoring him as a leader, looking up to him as a father. He left his whole family and went to, you know, full service to Saul. But here was this guy wanted to kill him but it still hadn't actually registered in david's head that my king my lord and my king can kill me so anyway fast forward to david running now he ran into ahimelech which was the priest at the time and not wanting to bother ahimelech with all the details he just said oh Saul sent me he just wanted me to um, get, uh, sent me a message and I need to get victuals for me and my guys. Me and my men, we are out in the woods. Please, do you have any food around for us? Of course, David was hungry and up to this morning he hasn't eaten for a while. So he just bumped into Ahimelech and asked for the shoe bread. You know, asked for the, if there is any food and um, would I say, fortunately for him, there was a bread that they were actually trying to bring out from the temple, the old bread to replace it with the new, so he just gave David the bread. And then also, it, Ahimelech was unassuming. He didn't realize what was going on between him and Saul. He didn't realize that David was running away from Saul, and David also came in the name of Saul. So, like, in any case, like, you are the king's, favorite you are the one who killed goliath for saul so here is goliath's soul so he just gave him goliath's soul and david left on his way out Doeg, a guy who is now correctly replacing david's position since david is on the run and is trying to gain the favor of saul now saw what happened just kept quiet didn't say anything but David, immediately he saw it and also the kind of way that Doug looked at him because, of course, at this point, since David is on the run, Doug is replacing David's position and, of course, both of them are kind of low-key rivals. And also, like, Doug is trying to actually also get the favor of Saul. 
he just kept everything to himself and immediately he got to Saul, he blotted it out. He blotted it out and said, Oh, I saw I saw David the last time he was in Himalek's place. He gave him bread, he gave him the sword of Goliath, and he bade him farewell. Now that actually acts so badly. Oh, he sent for Ahimelech, the priest. He said, Ahimelech, come, come to me, all of you, you and your household, your entire priesthood, all of you should summon here right away immediately. And Ahimelech, very unassuming, came. And Saul questioned him, why did you actually have to connive with my enemy and let him go? You fed him, you gave him stores, so you want to be against me, right? He said, no, my lord, it's not true. I thought he came in your name. He He's the one that killed your strongest enemy, Goliath, and he's your favorite. We would never do such a thing. We didn't know about it. Saul said, well, I don't care what you, you're saying. As long as you aided and abetted my enemy, you're going to die. So he literally threatened, and not just threatened, but also carried out the threat of killing an entire priesthood. And he turned around to Jake and said, Jake, you're the one who, who actually reported this case. Kill them. Jake, a very cheap, attention-seeking rival of David, took his hands, raised his hands, against the Lord's anointed and killed all 84 priests, all of them, the entire household of the entire, of the household of Ahimelech, he killed them. He didn't stop there. He went into the village where Ahimelech was coming from. He killed every single person there, man, beast, children, boy, girl, family, men, male, female, and woman, all of them, every single person breathing, he killed every single person, including cattle. While I was reading this, something struck me. This will not be the first time a bloodthirsty psychophant will actually go into a town and kill everybody and just recklessly just kill people just because they are trying to prove a point or they are trying to um, sh- show that um, they could do anything and get away with it or they are trying to gain a certain kind of attention or favor. When I was reading this, it kind of reminded me of an incident that happened a few days ago about how some bandits and how some some gunmen just entered a certain place and started shooting randomly at some people and, and in, in a village and then wiping away male, female, boy, girl, family, child, just shooting randomly. It, it kind of good gave me goosebumps at, at how depraved the thoughts and, and the mindset of a man without God can be a man that doesn't have the slightest regard or respect for life can be. While I was reading this, it, it was like it, it just came afresh again, and it baffled me that, as much as we were shocked by the news of hearing that on the news and hearing how these people were just shot, random, uh, shot targeted people and just kill them. 
I was reading the book of First Samuel, and then it felt like the incident that just happened was a deja vu. It just felt so real again, like this is actually what literally happened. Like, Dad did not just stop at killing the priest of God. He entered the village of the priest of God and killed every single living, breathing thing there. Just because of David. This story actually feels like a horror movie. Like, is this surreal? Did this really happen? Is it just a tale? But these are actually guys who walked this earth, right? These are actually guys who lived in another um, period of time or century. But they actually did live on earth. And these facts actually did happen. And and in, in our 21st century, we're actually seeing a repetition or a similarity of things that are happening in our world. And it, it kind of makes me actually have a rethink on how easily we trust people, how easily that we just overlook the possibility that someone could be that depraved, that it's possible that actually that someone who you're just looking at, I mean, like, this is Derek, right? This is this is the guy who just randomly pops up one day and starts killing every single person around. And it, it kind of baffles me at the the intensity or would I say the speed at which someone turns around to become a from a human metamorphosis into a monster into someone you can't relate with into a a monster that you can't actually like look at and say oh this person was a human because that was a gradual metamorphosis of what Saul was also going into and he was dragging Derek along with him. Derek was a puppet in the whole game but Derek was also becoming monstrous. It, it also reveals the the depth and the intensity at which the evil can actually ruin a man or evil can actually like change someone completely to someone or something you can no longer recognize. And that's why we need to be careful about how much the kind of thoughts and the kind of actions that, that get into our heads and what we we allow to, to, to sit in our minds and what we brood on, what we think about. Because if, if Saul wasn't thinking about, oh, David is going to kill me, oh, David is going to usurp my authority, if Saul didn't start becoming jealous, about David, he wouldn't be consumed with the thought of killing David. Let me put it again into perspective for you. God handed Saul a kingdom, an entire hundreds or thousands of groups of people and families into his hands and said, rule these guys, take care of them. And then something happened along the line and he suddenly lost focus stopped putting focus on every single body or every single person and focused on one person he was focusing on only david and how to ruin david and how to kill david and the more he's consumed on the thought of killing david the less and less he paid attention 
to his kingdom, the less and less he paid attention to, to you know, political affairs and making sure that the security of Israel was top priority. Now, David ran, took the bread, ran. Ahimelech and all his family members all there. Luckily, one little boy, I suppose he's a little boy, you know, because he could actually was able to wangle his, himself away and creep out and run away. Run away, escaped from the family of Ahimelech and ran to David. His name was Abiathar. Abiathar became priest at a much later time. So um, now Abiathar, when he came to David, David said, oh, I, I saw this coming. I knew that immediately I saw Derek. I just knew that your family will not survive. I just knew that this is kind of thing will, will actually happen. So now David is hiding around caves. David is just hiding away, jumping from one place to the other. And Saul was busy sending spies and emissaries, jumping around with David from one place to the other. So wherever David hid, they hid. Wherever David went, he went. Wherever David tried to go to, he tried to go to. There was one time that the Philistines wanted to attack a certain city that was close to Saul. David asked God if he was going to actually like um, save the country, the city. Should I go up? Should I kill the Philistines? Or should I forbear God say, go up, deliver you? I went to deliver you. Now, the same guys that David went to fight for, that's Keilah. Keilah was a small town that Philistines was trying to get. And David was close to Keilah. Now, David went ahead and fought for Keilah and made sure that their town was secured. Now, when Saul heard that, was, that David was in Keilah, Saul started threatening to war against Killer. Now, if Saul came to Killer, he's going to kill everybody there. Now, Killers, they were actually very scared. And they, he, they already knew that if Saul was coming to them, it's going to be trouble. So they, were, they had to choose between hiding David at the detriment of their life or giving up David to be able to save themselves. David actually asked God and said, are these people actually going to give me up? He said, yes, they're going to give you up. And David ran and left. So when he heard that David has left the city, he didn't come again to threaten the city anymore. It kind of makes me wonder at how rapidly human beings change. How much of a horror or a horrific being that um, humans are capable of turning into when they drift from the God ordained purpose of their lives. So this particular place is teaching kind of trust is teaching to, you know, there's a place the Bible says, cursed is he that put his trust in man. But then we actually did do actually like, you know, either underrate the scripture or overlook it or at worst get offended at this. So why God, why is God going to curse anyone who puts his trust in man? It's not saying I am going to curse you if you put your trust in man. It's just saying horrible things will happen to you if all your hopes are in man. Your heart is going to be broken. You're going to be disappointed. This man is going to fail you. One day this guy is going to change. This person that you trusted in is going to change. And it's probably it's going to change so bad. They are going to turn against you. And you're going to be so shocked 
at how much they're going to turn against you. So why would you put your trust in man? Why not just put your trust in me? Why not just focus on me? Why not just like take a take anything that is being given to you, be it favor, be it goodwill, be it smile, be it friendship, with a pinch of salt. Why not just take everything with a pinch of salt and trust me fully? But we humans, we're just very prone to trusting, you know, people and so easily like relying on them and so easily like reveling in our success and thinking everybody's happy with your success without knowing that gradually those who actually are not very happy with your success that used to be your friend will gradually, gradually start becoming your enemy. And that's exactly what happened in the case of Saul versus David. Gradually, gradually, from loving David, accepting him into the military, giving the daughter as wife, even becoming the in-law, gradually, he became his most horrific enemy to the point that Saul can't sleep at the thought of David. It became his worst nightmare. That is really horrible. David would be on this side of the cave running for his life. Saul would be on the other side of the mountain running around to get to David. So one of those times, the Philistines started attacking because the attention of Saul has now been gradually taken away. Gradually, gradually, his attention was shifting from the Philistines because the Philistines were actually the arch enemies of Israel at the time and they were constantly at war with each other Israel versus the Philistines so gradually his mind was taking taken away from the Philistines and his mind was in killing David so while on on the hunt for David someone called him and said the Philistines are actually attacking Israel you need to come back. Your attention is needed. And he was just this very little inch close to meeting David. So he had to choose. It was actually a very hard decision for him to make To Should I leave off David, chasing David? I am this very close to killing David. But the Philistines are actually attacking Israel. And they were on a mountain. They were in a mountainside. And uh, at some point, they actually, like, he decided to, like, make a choice it was a tough choice it was a tough choice and after much much he decided to leave david off and go face the philistines and the people called that place they called the mountain selahamalekot and i checked up selahamalekot and the definition of it and they called it the mountain of the cliffs because there are cliffs in the mountain but some people also called it the mountains of cliffs or the divided cliffs mountain of divided cliffs also some of some people also said it was a mountain of um, a tough decision a decision to make whether to focus more on the major concern you have or to keep chasing the Frivolity is that uh, it's your obsession. In the case of Saul right now, it was his obsession was David, and he had a choice to make. He had a choice to make between his obsession or the the actual matter in hand. So it came from that word, 
Selahamalekot. Now it becomes a coining of, okay, this is a mountain where I'm pursuing my obsession and I want so badly to get this obsession and to make sure that I get it. But also, there are also more pressing matters at hand. So what do I choose? It was a, more like a valley of decision. There's a cliff of rock. It was, it was a lot of definitions into one thing. And it's quite, it's quite interesting because while I was reading the scriptures today and I was thinking about the entire thing, I also sensed in my spirit that there was a mighty hand playing the chess with Saul there. It felt like it was one of the political strategies that God, being the mastermind or being the master chess player, just pulled a stunt, a a high-level stunt, a senior man stunt there, right there. I would say it's a kind of a senior man stunt. We're seeing that Saul is actually closing in on David, and David is getting really scared. So I am sensing in my spirit that that thing that happened, that the Philistines had decided to you know, war with the children of Israel at that particular time was just God trying to distract Saul. Like, okay, I'm closing in, I'm closing in, I'm closing in. And then something happened all of a sudden, Saul is distracted. I sense in my spirit that God actually instigated that war and that fight so that Saul can go home so that David can be saved. It was quite interesting. So this is actually like a food for thought, a food for thought on a lot of things. First of all, we need to be careful about evil. And it's not just being careful about evil. Evil is a nature. Do not allow the nature of evil to get into you and ruin you or, you know, creep in. There's a saying that said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump and it's from the scriptures. If we allow a small amount of evil, of envy, of hate, of of worry, of doubt, of fear, of whatever it is to creep into it, just as much as creep into it, it blows up to something unrelatable, something gigantic, something that we never actually factored in that we could actually be wound up into. If someone before Saul was made a king, if someone ever told him that he's going to turn into the monster that he's now becoming, that is so consumed with envy and bloodthirst that he just wants to kill David. His main purpose of living was just to kill David. If someone ever told him, as timid as he was then, that he was going to turn into that monster, he was never going to believe it because he so loved the Lord. He wanted to please God. His heart was about pleasing God. He was only doing it the wrong way and he wouldn't listen. And then gradually he turned into beast. Then there's also, on the other side of it, on the flip side of it, as, we saw Derek coming out as a character and was manifesting as someone who was a psychophant and could go any length just to get the favor of the wrong person. And we also found out that no person, nobody can be trusted. I mean, like anyone, even your friend, your closer friend can actually turn on you. Another thing that I actually noticed when I was reading this place was that 
in as much as Jonathan really, really sympathized with Saul, with, 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 with David, genuinely with his whole heart, because the Bible, the Bible stated that Jonathan loved David, and both of them always made a covenant. They, they loved each other like even much more than the love of women, so they loved each other so much. They were just very tightly close. As much as they really loved each other, Jonathan couldn't stay with David, and David couldn't stay with Jonathan. So they would meet Jonathan, they would part ways, and Jonathan would go home. But David would always just wander around in the bush and the wilderness. It just also shows how uniquely different our pathways are, regardless of how tightly knit, you know, how how tightly knit relationships that we might have with either friends, our family, acquaintances. We're just realizing that each man has to figure out life. In their own way and then individually life is at best or at its peak individualistic very individualistic at the end of the day regardless of how much push someone gives you regardless of the support you get regardless of the encouragement you get you are still going to figure out life by yourself you're going to have a path to go David had a path to go, and his path somewhat led through the wilderness. It led through caves, it led through mountains, it led through years of running around and running away from someone that was always after his life. And he had to surmount those periods of his life all by himself, in as much as Jonathan really felt for him and reached out for him, but he couldn't do anything about it. It also shows that. We, we get to do life by ourselves. It's very individualistic. And this is where we need the Lord God Almighty. We need Jesus very much in our lives to help us to you know, sort it out because he has been there before. And one last thing about what we need to take away from all of this is that uh, at the end of the day, we get to choose our focus. We get to choose our focus. Choose your focus rightly. Focus is very important. You need to know what best that is actually the right thing to focus on. For Saul, it was the Philistine. For the first time, probably yes, because all things work together for good to them that love God. And also God was also, also like protecting David from Saul's hand. But at that point in time, Saul had to make a decision is... David worth more my attention right now or is the Philistine worth my attention if the Philistine captures this city I am ruined my crown is gone they are going to capture me so let me just go home and fight so you get to choose your fight you get to choose your fight very carefully and weigh what's supposed to be the most important thing and forget about your obsession so do not put so much energy on obsession rather put your focus on things that are actually more important in this case do not forget Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 said seek you first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and every other thing shall be added to you that is the focus the focus is the kingdom the focus is the righteousness of God. The focus is being kind and good and gentle towards humanity. Because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness. Against such there is no law. So what all of these things are things that God 
endured in us so that we can actually live peaceably with each one of us so we don't have to have a root of bitterness or evil or envy or malice or anger springing into us so our focus needs to be right so we got to trust god put our trust on god forget the trust of human we need to remember that at this life we get to do it individually and god has to be the one backing us up and helping us and not human beings because humans can fail we also need to understand that there is a tendency for human beings to change and we shouldn't be surprised at that about trusting god and as we do this we pray in the name of jesus christ and the lord helps you to get things right and life turns out to become better and better i decree i decree in the name of jesus christ that you get the right people along your life's journey people who will not sabotage people who will be faithful people who will be more of encouraging and i decree in the name of jesus that we have also the wisdom to navigate life as we find out our pathways for ourselves, we navigate life and find out our authenticity and become it and own it by the help of the Lord Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much and see you again in the next episode. God bless you. Amen.